This is the Moshpit Backstage Podcast for punk, metal and rock interviews and segments. from Valhalla. You're listening to the Mosh Pit on Sim. Valhalla is a Brisbane folk metal band who will be releasing their debut album Voyage Into Attorney on March 14th. They'll be playing in Melbourne on April 15th at the Mr. Boogeyman Bar. I spoke with five of their members, Matthew, Anthony, Lachlan, Sophie and Morgan. So we're called Valhalla. We're an epic folk or Viking metal band from uh, Brisbane and we formed in 2013 in a backyard sauna. Uh, with the inspiration of Windsum and Sephirum and other bands like that in that genre. And for the past four years, we've been, I guess, creating our own brand and our own style of music. And we're, uh, we're finally at the stage now where we can release our uh, first debut album, Voyage Into Eternity, in seven days. So we're looking very excited uh, to release that and get it out into the, into the world. Now, the name, how did you come up with that? Because it's a very interesting play on words. Um, yeah, it's actually a portman, uh, portmanteau of the words Valhalla and folklore. And it was, I guess it came out of a debate between myself, Lachlan, our vocalist, and one of our ex-members. Um, and we had this big poll on Facebook as well, on our private chat as well, of just names that we came up with. Yeah. And Valhalla was one of the names that we voted on and we had to give all these reasons why. It's pretty funny, but I guess that's how we got it and we all picked that name. So, In terms of folk metal, it's kind of an interesting thing in that it's not necessarily... Um, it's very much sort of European in a lot of ways. So how, how did you guys get into it? Well, hi, it's Lockie, by the way. Hi, Lockie. Um, initially, I guess, uh, for me personally, I was starting to, in my old band, look into the more symphonically inspired elements, um, more classical kind of European styles of metal. Yeah. And then within that, within bands like Nightwish, I guess I heard of their use of, um, you know, more of the acoustic instruments, things like the low whistles, tin whistles, pipes, uh, mandolins, things like that. And I just, um, I guess, and then meeting Anthony, we both had a similar um, taste in music and similar vision for what we wanted to create because I guess, yeah, as you said, it's a very European thing, but there's not a whole lot of it going on over here in Australia. And so, yeah, it's something we, I guess, wanted to be at the forefront of creating over here. It's, um, it's difficult to say because obviously the new album's on its way and uh, we'll, we'll have to wait until that. But I get a very much a kind of folk vibe, very reminiscent of a band like El Vete. Um, would you say that's accurate? If we had a dollar, mate, <laughs> if we had a dollar. Yeah, uh, they've got a very like Celtic kind of sound, very Celtic kind of um, themes. But one of, the, one of the really fascinating thing about you guys is uh, it's got that kind of Celtic sound, but the themes, at least that I've seen so far, are very kind of Nordic in the ideas of voyage and exploration and all that. How, how did that sort of come together? Um, well, basically, I guess that was more of the lyrical content of the record, because uh, originally we had a very literal kind of storyline. We wanted to write a very, um, yeah, basically like a musical novel in a sense of following like a Viking quest. But I guess the more we looked into those lyrical themes, we figured out that the 
the Viking metaphors and imagery worked really well just as a, as a metaphor for kind of daily struggles and the, the things that, you know, everybody goes through in life. And so I guess Voyage into Eternity, in a nutshell, is just about living your dreams and going out to seek greatness, as it were, and overcoming obstacles. And again, with that kind of Viking ideology behind it, which is to, you know, n- let nothing stand in your way until the, until the job is done, so to speak. Voyage into Eternity, um, your album's going to be released March 14th. Um, how long have these songs sort of been around? Have they been stuff you've worked on since the very beginning? Um, pretty much when the uh, band was first created back in 2013, the very first song, Malice of Illusion, um, that was written a... Uh, I guess that was written over a long time, but it, the idea of that... Uh, song was started on that very day, uh, and that was the first Valhalla song written, which was uh, exciting. But that was finished in 2013, and since then, between 2013 and I think the end of 2014, the entire record was written. So we've had the material for a long time, but getting it out how we want has taken a long time as well. Um, we didn't really want to put out a uh, our uh, self-titled EP first up. We wanted to release the album straight away, um, but but that you know changed, and we did get out our EP. And since that, the EP, the I guess the songs itself have have sonically changed a lot as well. So we were using, say, fake drums for a lot of the songs, which is what a lot of bands do, but we thought, oh, it's now worth the effort of going and properly recording the drums and re-recording a lot of the elements that we already had uh, had recorded down back from 2013 and 2014. So I guess the material is very new in the sense that it was recorded quite recently, but the, the songs and the ideas um, have been around for... Uh, three or four years or so. Apart from the um, recording the drums for real, did you learn anything boarding that EP that you've been able to apply to the the new album? Um, yeah, well, definitely. There was. I went back to the original EP songs because those songs are on the album, and there's things that are similar and yet different to the versions on the album. Um, some really subtle differences as well, especially in the bass guitar and uh, certain effects like using a wine glass and uh, things like that that just maybe bring out uh, extra um, extra emotions and atmospheres. And also we did a lot of re-recording of Gin Whistle as well. Um, so the, the, the main idea of that is we still wanted to keep the EP songs the versions, the way that people like them, but enhanced in a way so that it was quite new. And doing that, going between the two versions of the, I guess, the EP songs and then the songs on the album, um, yeah, I, there has been a lot of learning between um, those two releases, yeah. So what was the wine glass used for? <laughs> um, we were trying to find an effect either on an instrument or in sample tanks or whatever, to just create this eerie, ethereal kind of atmosphere that we've been trying to capture throughout the whole album. And then just, you know, the day after we'd been banging our head up against the wall trying to figure out what could possibly make that sound, I was just literally just at home washing the dishes. And so 
started playing around on a wine glass, <laughs> we figured, oh yeah, we can we can we can tune that, and it sounds pretty uh pretty atmospheric. So it ended up uh, yeah, just a wine glass and a lot of reverb, and, <laughs> and basically that that's to me what space sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> we whacked this massive reverb on it that just keeps evolving, and it just sounded like the, the best thing we ever made, and we added. Shimmery, and we added this other harmony wine glass underneath it. It was, it was just awesome. In terms of the themes, lyrics, ideas, Nyum, where did you draw them from? Are they kind of um, things that you've sort of been just thinking about, or things you've read, or, or any other kind of things? Um, again, originally with the concept being far more story driven, it was very much more rooted in the Nordic mythology side of things. So, yeah, that was a lot of reading and research into that. But again, I guess. It felt like while it was creative and and storytelling, it it felt a bit detached in a sense of what audiences could relate to. So it was very much just going through and picking out elements of the, I guess, the fantastical stories and the message in those and making it a bit more metaphorical and relatable to everyday life. Um, So drawing from, you know, personal experience, kind of, you know, just epiphanies and things that you have along the way um, were very much the, the motivational factor behind the lyrics and the themes. You guys wear outfits you know, very fitting of a, a folk metal band on stage. Have they always been part of um, your, your presentation? Yeah, since, since day one, I guess, we've kind of had the discussion of, you know, uh, we are a storytelling band. We are, I guess, you know, uh, we're more than just a, a plug-in-and-play band, as it were. So I guess we always wanted an, uh, a visual representation to go along with that. So... Yeah, the idea of having kind of more costumey elements has definitely been something that we've wanted since day one. But again, as with everything, they've kind of evolved um, every show we play up until now, really. And we're still, even now, you know, going past armories and things like that and seeing cool stuff online and being like, oh, yeah, I can wear that on stage and incorporate that into the outfits. So, so yeah. And, and when we were actually just in Melbourne, um, we stumbled across a fantastic shop. If we can give them a little shout-out. Um, Fairy Floss. Fairy Floss Clothing, they've hooked us up with some amazing new threads ahead of our... Mm, yeah, absolutely one-of-a-kind handmade stuff, and it's been incredible, and it just it marries into our style so perfectly, so we'll be very excited to uh, be wearing some of their incredible clothing on our uh, album launch and our album tour. Speaking of the album tour, I believe you had a f- your first interstate show uh, four months ago, am I correct? Uh, it was- um, our first interstate show was January 6th mm. and it was at the vault in Sydney so, uh, sorry yeah it was at Val so many names starting to be <laughs> so two months ago um, in, in terms of that how do you feel about this upcoming Australia wide tour nervous excited um, oh, always nervous and excited I guess the um, the the show that we played back on the sixth of, of January was very much kind of tipping out, dipping our toes, as it were, to see how we'd be received interstate, and we were just absolutely blown away by the support um, that we received from that. And then recently finishing up supporting Lagerstein interstate as well, and playing to their crowd, and being able to meet people after the show who said that they'd heard of us previously and came along to check us out. Like it's been it's been absolutely overwhelming. So hopefully, you know, everyone comes out in force to to see us again because we sure as hell would love to see see all of them out of the show. But yeah, again, you're always nervous and excited all at the same time. It's fantastic. It makes you feel alive. You played with Elvete shortly before the departure of Anna, Ivo and Merlin. Um, I interviewed Krigel 
for that tour, and it was yep. not a comfortable experience. It was very awkward. Um, how, how, was, how was it playing with a band who was just sort of about to be split in two, really? Um, it's an interesting, interesting question because um, it was quite tense on the night. Uh, there was two clear groups within the band, um, but look, that's just how it was. And they act, remained professional, and they went about their job of meeting and greeting the fans um, and playing a really good two-hour show, uh, which was impressive, I guess, considering the, I guess, awkward uh, turmoil, turmoil and dynamic in the band. Um, but I was going to say, I guess for us, um, on the night it made it, um, despite the tension within their kind of camp, it actually, I guess, for me personally, made it a bit easier for us to, uh, mm. I guess, get to know them and, and get to, and get to talk to them a bit more because they weren't um, conversing with each other as much as they would have been once upon a time. So they were actually had more of a focus on us, especially on uh, on Sophie with all her amazing whistles and the fact that we were, uh, I think, probably the only folk quote unquote band that was opening for them. In Australia, yeah. and I guess they were they were surprised to find a folk metal band in Australia. So yeah, it was it was good to be able to have a chat with them, despite the yeah, despite the inner turmoil within that band. Feel free to uh, pass this around. Um, whoever wants to answer the questions can answer. But um, just a couple of questions because I like getting to know musicians in a broader sense. How did you first get into music? Oh, um. Uh, Sophie here. Um, look, I started playing the clarinet in grade four in my school band. And then, um, I don't know, like it was a compulsory program at my school. It was either play band or sing or play the guitar. And uh, my parents put me put me in the band and then um, went on a few music tours, which was cool, and then decided I wanted to go and study music at the conservatorium. And then my dad bought me a tin whistle for Christmas one time. And then all of a sudden I, ch- I turned from classical music to folk music and then I met these uh, lovely fellas. And then all of a sudden I, um, I found metal and it's been the best journey ever. Like there's, there's so many links with classical music and heavy metal that people really don't realize. The, mm-hmm. technical, the technical aspects of the music just mirror classical music. The, the connections are uh, amazing. That's my story. That was great. That was yeah, that was good. Um, I think I'll, I'll add to that. It's not as exciting, but um, I was in grade seven, and I always wanted to play the guitar, and I imagined myself playing along the stage of, like, big punk rock bands at that time. Um, and my friend, my friend um, actually got guitar lessons, and I was really jealous of that. And so that's how I started playing guitar, because I was jealous of my friend. <laughs> and now I'm here. So, Lachlan, you're up. Oh, I, I guess my entry into music was very much through my parents growing up listening to, you know, uh, the Beatles and the Beach Boys and ABBA and and all this kind of, you know, 60s and, or 50s through the 70s, really. And then through that kind of eventually got into my still favourite band to this day, Deep Purple. And um, I guess my taste in music just kept got progressively heavier and as I got older I chose to dabble in lots and lots of different instruments because I could never settle on just the one so I guess my musical journey has very much been one of a jack of all trades but a master of none but it's uh, been a lot of learning along the way. Well, 
Morgan. Would you like to say hello? Yeah, why not? Uh, hi there, Morgan Cox, the drummer here. Hi, Morgan. Um, yeah, now, my musical journey, I actually remember the exact moment it happened. My dad came into my room one time while I was falling asleep, and he um, he put an Iron Maiden CD in my CD player, pressed play, he said, Good night, son, and he walked out, and then from there I was hooked. Like, I just... I remember falling asleep almost every night listening to Iron Maiden and it, um, yeah, just it really um, got me started, got me going and and from there it was just a matter of broadening my taste. You know, I met this uh, great guy, a, a drum teacher, Cameron Roach, and he um, basically taught me everything he knew and he introduced me to uh, Frank Zappa and the works of Frank Zappa is really what sort of opened me up as a musician and got me really thinking about as many different styles as possible. And um, from there, yeah, my, my taste in heavy metal, my taste in, in Frank Zappa, my taste in all different uh, kinds of music just helped, uh, helped me learn that I need to make myself as professional and, and uh, you know, an adequate drummer as possible um, in order to, you know, make it. And then from there, I just kept pushing myself to keep going and going until eventually I found these guys and, uh, yeah, I'm having a ball. Matt, you're up. <laughs> yeah, Matt, the bassist here. Um, hey, my musical journey started probably about grade three, actually. I'm actually classically trained in violin. Um, played that way up until I was 17 or 18. Then I actually met Lawson at school. Um, and we used to play in big band together. He was the drummer, I was the bassist. And that's why I started playing bass. Just Lock got me into it. Um, from there, I just pretty much progressed. Graduated school, hadn't heard from Locke for a few years, then we actually joined up because he was missing a basis for his old band. Um, we played in that for a little while and pretty much just progressed into Valhalla and that's how we're here today. And that's pretty much it. Good chat. And, that's, um, and we're down a guitarist, otherwise there would be a six okay. member. <laughs> I was, I was thinking, have, 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 is that everyone? Have I missed anyone? <laughs> oh, that's really cool. Um, Sophie... Did I mishear you in or misinterpret that you weren't into metal before you uh, sort of started in the band? Yeah, that, 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 that's actually correct. Um, the only like the only thing I'd ever heard was what my dad was listening to, and he he loves Ozzy Osbourne and Metallica and Zeppelin, but I'd never actually heard of like any sort of metal at all, um, except for actually Ailstorm and Lagerstein before I um, listened to it join the band and then now it's literally all I listen to I couldn't tell you what's on the radio at the moment to finish up what are some of your favourite bands and artists oh, well I'll start um, favourite Elvati um, love Matteo whistle player he's a god um, also Kriegel they're both awesome with players um, and then Nightwish comes very close also uh, Winter Sun and uh, Whispered Insomnium um and then there's also a Latvian pagan metal band called Skyforger that are pretty cool. They were one of the first ones I've ever listened to. And that's me. I'll pass you on to Anthony now. Well, I think Sophie just took all of our answers. <laughs> um, but I'll, I will say that uh, for the, in, the main inspiration for Valhalla was probably Winter Sun. I'd say it's probably them, their vision, their orchestrations, their song structures. Um, it resonates with me personally and it I can probably say it's one of the main influences uh, for this band. Uh, I'll pass you on. Um, yeah, Lockie. Um, trying to think what I haven't said. I guess growing up kind of 
being a, mostly listening to punk and then eventually getting into heavy metal, my um, two bands that have always really stood out for me and they're kind of always a topic of hot debate within the metal community are Avenged Sevenfold and Trivium. Um, I guess because they they were, again, a band, both bands that were arguably metal but brought something different to the table and added their own flair to it. So I guess that's, that's always something that I've very much admired, uh, Morgan. Uh, yeah, just as I said before, Iron Maiden was kind of like the first true band that I really got into, so that's kind of what uh, got me going. So, and it really helped sort of prepare me for my musical journey as like a, a heavy metal drummer. Um, but Frank Zappa was uh, the well, the individual and, and his band that really sort of expanded my musical horizons and got me going in, in a, a bunch of different genres. And um, I think the thing that really prepared me the most is this band, the the band that inspired me the most and, and um, got me ready for playing in Valhalla was uh, Stuart Akra. Um, just the the kind of music they write and the kind of stuff that they play is just it's incredible because you know like a Trivium or Avenged Sevenfold, it's just it's, it's metal but with something new, something added to the formula to just make it that much more interesting. And I'll uh, pass you on to Matt now. Yeah, so everyone else has already stolen all the good answers, it would appear. Um, <laughs> I was going to take Trivium as being one of my bands, or one of the ones that I listen to all the time, but one of the main bands, in fact, the first band I ever listened to on the radio was the White Stripes. Um, and I pretty much grew up listening to them for the longest time, moved into punk, eventually just into, I'll call it softcore metal. Then now I'm onto hardcore metal with Valhalla, and that's it. Um, our first music video for Across the Frozen Ocean is dropping live in eight minutes. Oh, wow. So if you're listening to this, please go, come over to our Facebook page and check it out. It's being released through Heavy Magazine. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Um, it's been a real pleasure. It's been interesting. This is the first interview of this kind of, I've done, but... Uh... I'm glad we can be the first, man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Mosh Pit Backstage Podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes and Omni. To find out more about the show, go to www.syn.org.au slash moshpit. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash moshpitonsin and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at moshpitsin. The regular Mosh Pit radio show broadcasts punk, rock and male tunes and interviews every Thursday nights on Sin 9.7 on FM and digital radios. Listeners outside of Melbourne, Australia can stream Sin 9.7 online at www.syn.org.au. Thanks to Vintage Ruin for the music. Hi, this is Samantha from Flash Gun Apocalypse. Hi, I'm Enid from Girls School. I am Phoebe Pinnock from Heaven the Axe. Hey, this is Gary Oldman of the Misfits. Hey, this is Kat Sproul from Horizon's Edge, and you're listening to The Mosh Pit on Sin FM. Hi, this is Aina from Leopard. Hi, I'm Virginia Lilly from the band Lilly. This is Raoul from 1449. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Ali from Eberhead. Hey everybody, this is Charlie Benante with Anthrax, and you are listening to the Mosh Pit on Sims.